If you worry about what other people think, soon enough, you will be on the sidelines of your life. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring on phenomenal guests that are going to share tips, strategies to improve your life, your business, and your organization. Today, I have a very special guest that I had a chance of meeting at the New Media Summit in San Diego in September of 2019. And I was fortunate to get his book, YouTube Decoded. Mark Guberti is a US Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling author with over 100,000 students in over 180 countries enrolled in his online courses. He is the host of the Breakthrough Success podcast and radio show where listeners learn how to achieve their breakthroughs. He coaches content creators on how they can attract more traffic to their content and boost the revenue. Please welcome Mark Guberti to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation, providing your listeners with all the value. Thanks so much. You know, Mark, I was perusing your website and I was going through the book and I would love for you to just start off telling everyone, because I know you started at a very young age in heading through this entrepreneurial journey. And I think it's very fortunate that you had the support around you to help encourage that. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about that. Uh, sure. So I got started at a very young age. Uh, I, as Deborah mentioned, a ton of support. I mean, my parents encouraged me every step of the way. My brother was also an entrepreneur. And this, they were encouraging. Uh, they, like, we share like different things together. Like we do our like brainstorm mastermind sessions. And my brother will always share some kind of tool that's useful and we'll just talk together and like see how we could all help each other grow and hit all of our different goals. So having that kind of family set up is definitely very uh, useful for me to, you know, propel and get to where I am now. Uh, so I'm very lucky to have that support system. Well, it must make family dinners very different than very unique. <laughs> very unique. Have you ever had a heated debate at the dinner table? Um, I wouldn't say heated debate. I would just say like the bouncing around of ideas. Like, yeah. uh, depends on like you know, like we we all have like a which method is our favorite. Like, my yeah. brother loves Facebook ads. I've been trying to get them into podcasting for two years now. They're in podcasting, which is great. So we all have our different things that work for us. Some things we really push on the other two to do more than others, but yeah. uh, it makes for a fun conversation. So what I hear is that you get them to raise their bar just a little bit higher. Yeah, and it's it's not just me. It's like we all do that to each other. That's beautiful. That's beautiful because that's where a lot of the greatest ideas come from when people see something in you that you're not seeing. So if you see them as a podcast host and they're not doing that, you're like, hey, 
but you got this. You have this interview talent and you're not utilizing it. Yep. So when I was going through the YouTube Decoded, one of the things that came up for me is, and I had to laugh because I remember when I first started my YouTube channel, I had the thumbnail that YouTube offered you versus having <laughs> the, the one that you could create and customize yourself. And anytime I would look at it, they'd always have that face that you're like, oh, is that the first thing I want people to see? <laughs> so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about why, we, why should we be using YouTube and how can we leverage it in a better way? So YouTube is video, which is the most engaging form of content. And one of the things with YouTube that is different from podcasting, from blogging, from all these other platforms, like they're all good. They all, they're different advantages, disadvantages. But the big thing with YouTube is they give you far more data than any other option. You get to see uh, how many minutes people are watching your video. You get to see when they drop off, which is really important. So uh, if you have a five minute video and people are dropping off after a minute one, you know, you have a problem, but if you create another five minute video and people watch it on average for three or four minutes, you want to look at that one. You want to see what you were doing to keep that retention. And YouTube just has so many more stats to it. Combine that with the fact that there are billions of people who use the site and I know it's tempting to think YouTube is just like surfing the web, looking at cat pictures, whatever it is uh, that you look at, but uh, like YouTube really attracts a lot of people and it is a platform where you can get a ton of people watching your videos, you get the watch time and all that stuff, but make money from your content too. Now on all the social networks and podcasting and blogging, you can make money by leading people to one of your products or your services but YouTube gives you the ad, AdSense, which isn't full-time income unless you have like a ton of views, but they give that to you as an option if you hit the 1,000 subscribers, 4,000 hours of watch time in a year. But those are some of the reasons that YouTube is a really dominant player in the industry. What have you noticed? When was the aha moment for you that you realized that YouTube was really where your traction was at? I think for me, the moment that I saw people were watching my videos and I could track that people were buying like training courses from me and books directly from the YouTube videos, that's where I saw YouTube as a big player that I should be spending more of my time on. And it's one of those things where you could be grinding for a while and not see too many results. But when you have that one video that's optimized that you did your research on and you made it a great video, that's the video that could really take off your channel, like make it take off and then create more videos just like that when your channel is going to propel even more. Yeah. One of the things that I learned, like I think this is about six months ago, I had come across hashtags for YouTube and it wasn't something that I had been using and I hadn't seen a lot of people that I followed using. I thought, okay, there's something here that I'm catching on to and knowing that people are searching by a hashtag just like they do on the other platforms. But why is it, do you think that people are not using it as much as they should be? 
I think because YouTube added that relatively recently compared to the other social notes, like Twitter was pretty much born with the hashtag. Like that's actually a user created feature, the hashtag. Right. Uh, but like Twitter's had it for a really long time. Facebook's had it for a pretty long time. Uh, but YouTube was like one of those like later adopters of the hashtag. And when people think of optimizing on YouTube, they just think keywords. Like on Twitter, like I wouldn't say keywords, I would say hashtags. Mm -hmm. While on YouTube, you would just say keywords and think that's good enough. But right. you're allowed up to three hashtags for a YouTube video. And with fewer people knowing that hashtags on YouTube are a thing, it's easier for you to rank for those versus the keywords that everyone knows. Right. So you should be jumping on the hashtag bandwagon. Yeah. It's very easy. Just pick three of your favorites based on keywords. Yeah. So one of the things with, uh, I was listening recently to uh, Gary Vee and another podcaster, and they were talking about how we're not leveraging LinkedIn in the way that we should be and also you utilizing youtube with linkedin can i get you to speak a little bit more to that uh sure so the way i like to use linkedin with youtube is uh there's a few ways one is i can say that i'm coming out with a video tomorrow make sure you go check it out on my channel you can subscribe and hit the notification bell so you get updated when that video and others come out so that's the way i use linkedin to grow my youtube channel on the day the video comes out you could briefly talk about the video and link to it in the comments. So for me, those are some of the ways I use LinkedIn to grow my YouTube channel. Some people also incorporate teaser videos that kind of bring awareness to the YouTube channel. So it's pretty much based on how much content you create on YouTube and then being able to promote that content, like tease that content, like a trailer for it on LinkedIn. And I would also say like post on LinkedIn, write some articles on LinkedIn because uh, if people see you're posting like the video stuff, they will, some people just stay on LinkedIn and they'll say, oh wow, you also have articles and stuff that I'll read and comment on. You get some clients that way also. Mm -hmm. What has been your greatest success with LinkedIn or YouTube? I'd say the greatest success with YouTube was when I saw that people were buying the courses that I put in the description and I could directly track them from YouTube. It's like I would promote the video and then like a, maybe a few minutes later, I'd see a sale come in. So being able to see that the message is resonating and being able to see that success is happening, uh, you know, it's like a snowball effect and it keeps building over time. Right. And what platforms do you use for your online courses? Do you use your own website or are you using other forms? I use practically everything under the sun. I use Udemy. I use Skillshare. Lately, I've been doing more teachable because like, I have my own websites for some of my courses, but then you have to buy a domain. You have to set up the whole infrastructure. Right. Teachable for me is the easiest because you have full control. Udemy and Skillshare are good if you're starting out. They're both free, but you have a little less control over like how you make revenue, pricing of courses, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Teachable gives you the most control and the infrastructure is all right there. Right. So when you started noticing that you were getting the traction of people buying from the YouTube videos, what did you learn about 
the content that you needed to continue to create? Because I know some people, they get stuck. They're like, okay, I don't know what content people want. So obviously there's gotta be some feedback that you started receiving that led you to developing the next course and the next course or the next book. Yeah. So I would say for that part of it is that when you look at the comments section, if you see people suggesting a video idea, that is, those are the kinds of ideas you want to jump on. And by jumping on those ideas, you tell your community that, Hey, I listened to you. You're important to me. And then you get more fans. And then it's like your whole audience gives you content ideas. Now, another side of this is you want, it's a mix of you want to create the video that pleases the people who, you know, like if I want a video idea from someone and they created for me, I'm going to be really happy. But at the same time, you want to optimize for the YouTube algorithm. So one of the things I do before I create any video is I will use vidIQ to see which keyword I should focus the video on. So for instance, if you see like, like content marketing, that keyword is one of those, like it ha there's a lot of demand for it, but not as many videos. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you type in something like YouTube marketing, sure, so many people are going to search that and they're going to want that information. But there are so many people who have already covered that topic where it's harder to stand out if you're a new channel that... Uh, you know, it's just getting started. doesn't have a big audience behind you yet. So you want to be strategic about which keywords you choose when coming up with the video ideas. Mm -hmm. So you want it to be that it's a big search that people are looking for, but not necessarily a lot of video. Exactly. High demand, low supply. Okay. So the other thing is, I know I've heard people talk about getting their YouTube channel claim their name. What, what do they mean by that? Uh, claiming their name, I mean, that's something in the YouTube settings where, I mean, it's been a while since I've done that for yeah. myself, but it is something in the YouTube setting. It's you having your domain where it's like youtube.com slash Mark Burry, for instance, being able to claim that. You have to a certain number of subscribers to get to be able to do that. Is that correct? Mm, you, or, you could do that, I believe, at any moment. Oh, okay. So we talked a little bit about YouTube. Um, there is one more question I wanted to ask you about with YouTube is the collaboration videos um, that you mentioned in the book. That is something new to me. I know like about joint ventures and different things like that, but I've never heard of collaboration videos and how you go about doing that. Can you share a little bit more about what that's about? Sure. So there are a few different ways to do it. The traditional YouTube route is to find someone with a similar number of subscribers as you and reach out to them and say, let's do a video together. So if we wanted to do like, you know, a really basic idea, 10 ways to get more Twitter followers. I say tactic number one, you say tactic number two, I say tactic three, you say four, and we continue that loop. So that's one way that people like, you see both creators in the video, they're both pretty prominent. And I, it goes on my channel, like one video goes up on my channel, and then maybe we do like 10 ways to get more Facebook likes on your channel. Again, super basic ideas, just right. to illustrate the concept. Some people, they'll do the collaboration where they will actually meet up in person for something. So Okay. Uh, like some people, like they'll do a sport together. If they're like two big people in like the same sport, they will group up and play that sport together in like, uh, some place where they meet together. 
So those are some options for collaborations. That's how I see a lot of YouTubers do it. With podcasting, it's a little different because you're already talking with the person, so you have an opportunity to turn that into a video. Now, one of the things you can do is take the podcast episode, make it a video, put it on YouTube. It's one of those things you hear a lot. But what I would recommend instead is this takes a little more work, but if you like don't have any content coming up on your YouTube channel, you want easy collaborations, this is how you do it. You take pieces of the interview in video format and you make them the video. So like if I'm talking for like four to five minutes about something that's you know a good topic, you make that the video, you add some extra commentary, and now all of a sudden your podcast listeners have a reason to go to your YouTube channel. Because if you do a podcast and you take that podcast, same thing, and you put it on YouTube, why is someone from your podcast going to go on your YouTube channel when it's just the same content? The only difference is you get to see the people. And with YouTube, why would someone just look at, watch the video of the same interview only to listen to audio format of the same interview? So if you create that slightly different content, you give people a reason to go to both of them and you can use one of them also to tease the other based on which one you release first. So that's something you could do with a podcast and you could even ask one of your questions based on a keyword. So I had someone on my profitable public speaking podcast and I asked them something like, how do you get more leads with LinkedIn? And I asked him that question because it was like getting leads with LinkedIn or something. I forget the keyword now. It was a good keyword. So we made the video, that's what I framed the video on, but it was this bigger thing about how to use LinkedIn to get on stages. So I was able to tease the episode at the end of that video. Right. So are you transcribing every single video as well, the interviews that you do, or is it more that you take the content and you create more videos from that? It's more I take the existing interview and I create more content from it. Transcribing it is also something you should be doing on YouTube. It's not something I do very often, but it is a good way to stand out with SEO as well. I've done it with some of my videos, not all. Right. So tell me a little bit more about the community tab. I know that there's a way to engage more than just the comments under the videos. Mm -hmm. How can people get more traction and engage with their current subscribers? So the community tab is if you think of like posting on Facebook, that's pretty much the same thing as the community tab. So you could post like just like a text post and pictures, which isn't video. And a lot of people think YouTube is just video. So with the community tab, you could do a few things. You can tell your audience like, Hey, I'm coming out with a new video tomorrow. Because one of the things people feel like they have to do to stay in front of people is to create a ton of videos. And this is where, you may hear something like, oh, if you create daily YouTube videos, you're always going to be in the frame of mind of the viewer. But if you create like, let's say two videos per week, and then each day the day before you're posting something uh, in the community tab saying, oh, the video is coming out tomorrow, that's going to appear on people's YouTube feeds. So instead of creating all these videos, you can use the community tab to stay frame of mind while telling people about your next video. You could also use the community tab to say, uh, you know, like I'm looking for video ideas. What do you guys want me to do a video on next? 
one YouTuber I know, he will ask, he will create a poll where he will say, I'm doing a YouTube live this Wednesday. Which topic do you want me to do? And he gives five topics. All of his viewers vote. So they are a part of his creation process, which is the next step. Like you could be consuming content, but now you're actually a part of the process. You feel like you're involved. And then he creates a video based on what the poll says. Wow. There's so many things running through my head about, okay, what do you got to do next? <laughs> what are the top three things do you think that people should be using when knowing when they use YouTube to make sure that they're starting to gain the traction, getting more subscribers and really delivering that value that they have in their hearts? So I'm going to base this on the algorithm, what they care about. There's a lot of things the algorithm cares about. But at the end of the day, the most basic things are watch time. So how much of a video will someone watch? If you have the five minute video, someone's only watching 30 seconds, YouTube's not going to recommend it. The other thing is YouTube needs people to click on your video to keep you in there. Because if YouTube shows you a bunch of suggestions, but you don't watch any of their videos based on what they suggest, you're not going to be on the site very long. YouTube doesn't like that. So to answer your question, the things that matter, and I think she should really focus on her title. And that means knowing what keyword you're going to use based on vidIQ and making sure you incorporate that keyword in the description and you make that keyword a hashtag. So title, thumbnail is another big one because if YouTube sees you have like a, you know, a 2% click through rate on your thumbnail, which is something you can track on YouTube. It's amazing how much data they give you. If you only have a 2% click through rate on your thumbnail, they're not going to show you as much. They'd rather show the person that has a 10 or 12% click through rate, which is something I got for my dividend investing video where I do some math about how you make six figures with dividend investing, just the math behind it. Uh, so, and when you see a thumbnail works like that, in my case, I created, I use that same thumbnail, slightly different. And my click through rate has been a lot higher ever since I incorporated something that already worked. So that's why it's important to look at your data, see what's working, copy that. So title, thumbnail, and finally creating a video people will watch. Because it's one thing, like you could, like valuable content, I feel like it's something that is overblown. Like people know valuable content and I feel like it's, I really wanna say that it's easy to produce valuable content. I feel like it's easy to just share a few really good thoughts, but how do you keep people engaged in watching the video that's done through like really good editing, that's done through really good advice, that's really tailored to the person. Uh, so like less fluff, more into the action, more into what you wanna say. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes fluff is good because you know, maybe you're an entertainment channel and in that case, it's good to have some of that stuff, a lot more editing effects, but it definitely depends on what kind of channel you want to be. I would recommend be a YouTube viewer and watch other people's videos and really see what grabs you in your niche and then apply that to your channel. Got it. So do you have a checklist or things that you follow when you're preparing your YouTube? videos and how often are you producing them? I like to do videos twice a week. I've done all the variety. I've done daily videos, but that burns you out and you have the community tab, which makes a lot more sense. You stay in 
the presence of your audience. And the thing with daily videos is it's also harder to promote them. So you could have a string of videos that have less than 10 views if you do daily, or you could have like two videos that get like 50 views. Now, obviously we could increase those numbers based on your audience size, but the idea is if you only produce two or three videos each week, it's easier to promote them for a longer period of time. So that's my video frequency. Uh, I, there's a resource called TubeBuddy, which has a built-in checklist. So I'm making sure I do the keyword research. I have it in my description. I have an end screen, which uh, it's at the end of my videos where it's like, and it, it, it tells people to subscribe to my channel. There's a button people can click to subscribe to videos pop up. So uh, something where it's like at the last 15 seconds, people can continue watching content from my channel instead of whatever the YouTube algorithm suggests, which risks pulling people away from my channel. So I always have that. I like to do a YouTube cards, which if you've ever seen in the middle of a video, like another video pops up on the upper right-hand corner, that's a YouTube card. So there are a bunch of different things that I use as a checklist. I like to just use TubeBuddy. Uh, I, I believe there they have the built-in checklist uh, within the YouTube dashboard when you're doing a new video. Okay. So we know how frequently you do this. And this is one of how many books have you written? That's my 25th. Wow. Wow. And what are you working on right now? Uh, the next book I am working on, I've got two different ones I'm working on. Normally I don't recommend working on two, but this is a special case. The first one is actually going to be my first journal. So like you fill in like stuff, I'll ask prompts and stuff like that. I'll be around business. And the other one is going to be around public speaking. Uh, based on my podcast, Profitable Public Speaking. Right. So how many podcasts do you have? Let's switch gears from YouTube for just a moment. I'd like for people just to get to know some of the things that Mark is up to and what he does for fun. And uh, I know that you have the Profitable Speaking. You also have a couple others in the works. So I'd love to hear more. Sure. So Profitable Public Speaking, that's the one we just mentioned. Breakthrough Success, that's the one I started. Uh, it's my first entry into podcasting a little over three years. Ditch the Job is going to be my brand new podcast. So at the time of recording, we haven't released it yet. A ton of virtual summits. I think six of them that are active right now because I make mine evergreen. So I uh, interviewing people is something I really love to do, thank goodness, because I interview a whole bunch of people for all the stuff that I do. You do tons of stuff. I'd love to know, because we talk a lot about mindset on my show. What do you do to keep track of your time, making sure that everything is running like clockwork? So some of that process is just forced accountability. So like an interview, I like to think of that as forced accountability because you know someone's waiting for you at the other side. So it's very easy for me to produce all the episodes I produce because it's just Hey, you want to come on my show? Okay, here's a link. Someone schedules. I have to be there. So it's easy for me to create the content. So uh, then in between like interviews, I'll create a YouTube video or I'll respond to e emails. I'll, I'll make sure I have something just wasting that time. So the interviews are really important for me to just frame the rest of my day. And then it's just a matter of like, 
the night before I go to bed, making sure I'm clear on all the different things I have to do. Like it's a big list, but then I pluck out that list to like the three things that I really have to do because you get stuck on like stuff that, you know, you feel like you did something good. Like if you hit a check mark, but six months you forgot about the big project. So I write the whole list the night before, really pick the three things that I have to do for the day to be a success. And what do you do for self-care? Like to keep yourself on track, keep your mind clear so that you can write, so that you can interview. I mean, the only thing I really do outside of family, outside of uh, the business work that I do, I mean, also school. So I do some pool at school, but the thing that really gets the most of my time is fitness. So I'm a very avid runner. Uh, I'll run like a whole bunch of miles each week. Some I'll, I'll sometimes hit a hundred miles in a given week just because, uh, it's something that I love doing. Like for some, like for some people, they play video games, me, my outlet, my thing that I love doing is running. And it's been very rewarding for my business also, uh, because, you know, I just come in with such a better mindset after I run. Yeah. It's, it's like life and endurance, right? Yeah, I mean, running is literally the entrepreneurial mindset. If you run a big race, I know Deborah and I, we were talking about a half marathon. We're gonna, we just conveniently happened to be doing yes. together, not planned at all. But <laughs> uh, I mean, doing a run like that, I mean, it's really the entrepreneurial mindset in one race. Yes, yeah. December 8th, the New yeah. York City run. Apple Half Marathon, we are going to meet up. And yep. then I'll <laughs> meet you again because I, I will be way behind you. But I'm very excited to be sharing that experience with you because we can share a bunch of notes on that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So with podcasting, because I've been podcasting over three years, you have several podcasts. What is your greatest two lessons that you take away from podcasting? Wow. Uh, I'd say the first big lesson is how important relationships are because I'd say a lot of the stuff that's happened to me, a lot of the stuff I've learned and stuff like that, not possible without the relationships I've built. Uh, there are a few things that I'm good at where I hired a coach first, did stuff on my own, and now I'm good at it and able to teach other people. And a lot of those connections initially happened from podcasting, like New Media Summit, where we both met. I would not be there. And I would not be going back to like different things like that if it weren't for the podcast. So relationships are so vital. And I'd say another big lesson is that idea of forced accountability where you've got people waiting for you for the interview, which makes it so much easier for me to produce the content. But one of the things that you may recognize that you, the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. I honestly count the podcast as one of those five people because that's just how much time I spent interviewing people. And depending on who you interview, I mean, these are people who can literally up level you just by like saying really motivational things, connecting you with the right person, yeah. becoming your coach or something like that. So, I mean, Podcasting is really incredible. There's just two of the many lessons I've gotten from it. So how do you continue to nurture the relationship with those people who've been your guests? So obviously this gets more difficult as you do more episodes because I've interviewed hundreds of people 
Yeah. Deborah, I'm sure you've interviewed a ton of people as well. And I mean, it gets difficult. One thing that there are a few different ways to do it. First, I'd say there are people who you want to see if you want to keep the relationship. So like, I'll always tell people their episodes out. And then if they reply, that's someone I want to build a relationship with. If the relationship stops there, that's fine. Like you were on my show. I had a good conversation with you. Right. Uh, but I'd rather focus on the few relationships that are going to be the most impactful. And part of that is just making sure to email them. One thing that I've been doing lately is asking for people snail mail because now I can send them things like a thank you note, like a copy of a book, which whatever did for me. Uh, so you can send them things in the mail, which not many people are doing right now. I mean, email is so easy to do and it's effective because it's such an easy way to communicate with people, but getting something in your snail mail, very, very powerful. Yeah. It's like that, they call that lumpy mail, right? Because if you <laughs> put something in there, they want to open it because they're not expecting it. They expect to see a bill. Yeah generally, right? Or a flyer. So if you want to stand out for the crowd, you got to be doing something different. So one of the things, you know, other than running and uh, writing books, what is one of the things that you have on your bucket list that you would love to achieve? Hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of the things I do really are around podcasting and running like I have an idea of like wanting to run like a ton of marathons in a given year yeah but I'd say I'm very narrowly focused on those things like I, I do like over myself new experiences and stuff like that but I say the majority of my time is just based on that right so it's not like you want to travel to a certain place or meet a certain person or anything like that or have a certain guest on your show oh certain guest um I feel like Gary Vaynerchuk would be a really fun guest to have. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. That would be pretty cool. So Mark, why don't you tell everybody how they can learn more about you and stay connected with you and find out more about these online courses because this book is hot and you need to get hold of it. I am highlighting it already because this I already had going on. And I would love for more people to go get this book, YouTube Decoded. Plus, he has podcasting. He has other books you can see behind him. And I'll, Mark, if you just want to show a few of those and uh, tell them how they can stay in touch with you and stay connected. So all of my books are conveniently located on Amazon. So you just search my name on Amazon or you just search YouTube Decoded. All my books will start populating Amazon one by one. So that's one place you can find me markgabray.com, mark with a C. Uh, you could also get a free strategy call from me, markgabray.com slash strategy. See if you want help with your YouTube, your podcasting, or your book, or anything like that. Just like a strategy call from me. And finally, my Evergreen Summit, uh, contentmarketingsuccesssummit.com. I've got six of them. I'd say that one is, it just has the most speakers in it right now. So I'd say check all those places out. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. If you were to leave our listeners with one final message for your viewpoint on living rich from the inside out, what would that mean to you? 
I would say that a lot of the limits that we think are there are ones we create for ourselves. A big message that I've always had is age is not a limit to success. What I mean by that is I started when I was 11 and there were people who were saying things like you're too young to be talking about business and stuff like that. And I ignored those people and I just kept moving forward. So uh, I feel like there are a lot of people who feel like they have to wait for the college diploma to uh, be able to do things like career development. Uh, so I would say like, this isn't a talk about college because like there are some pros and cons to it, which, you know, that could take a whole episode. But right. what I want to say is if you're like the young person, 18, 19, who's in college right now, you could be doing stuff. You could be creating a YouTube channel, whatever. Uh, if you're an 18, 19 year old, who's not in college, same thing, go out there, whether it's a YouTube channel, podcast, whatever it is related to your passion, uh, you can create a business around that. So age is not a limit to success. And if you feel like you're limited in any way, it's more of a mindset limitation. There are people who have come from crazy circumstances. We could all think of at least one and it really excelled. So that's my message. And who do you see as your mentor? The person who's given you the greatest guidance, whether you've had contact with them personally or through reading? Uh, definitely my whole family. I mean, they're there for me every day. Excellent, excellent. Thank you again, Mark Guberti on the Millionaire Woman Show. Thank you for joining us. And go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com to get your free three mini video um, course of making habits stick. And that's our offering right now when you subscribe to the Success Secrets newsletter. And as Mahama Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. Go over to iTunes, subscribe, write down some notes, share it with Mark and myself so we can continue to produce this great content and share it with the world. Go out and have a great day.